Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting invitae.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E dot com. Do you ever get asked a question, a simple question, that just sends you reeling with fury? It happens to all of us, right? Maybe it's about a scar on your face or, or whether you rent or own your home. The person asking the question seems to have no idea that their question could possibly trigger pure rage. But you can't imagine how anyone could have the nerve to ask you something so personal. Parents always seem to have a trigger question. You know, is he sleeping through the night? Or do you have to go back to work? Mine is, are you going to have another? Or even worse, when are you going to have another? These questions tend to hit us so hard because they strike directly at our deepest insecurities as parents. You know, am I doing it right? And often, after we get hit with our trigger question, we play the moment over and over in our heads, trying to think of that perfect, quippy comeback. Today on the show, I'm going to share a conversation that I had with a mom who was routinely asked something, something so piercing that it called into question her very identity as a mother. And she decided she was going to go for it. She was going to use her perfect quippy comeback the next time someone asked her the question. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hilary Frank. I first met Nicole Blades three years ago in a baby music class. I actually recorded this interview way back then. Um, my daughter was about one at the time. Nicole's son was about two. We lived near each other, and sometimes we'd walk home from music together. One day we were walking, and she started telling me about this question that people had been asking her. The first time she got the question, her son was about six months old. She had him in the stroller, and she'd wheeled him into a bodega in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, where she was living at the time. And the guy behind the deli cuts area was like, oh, he's so cute. Is he yours? And it, it, I, my mind stuttered almost, because I was kind of like, what? 
of course he's mine. <laughs> and I, as I went up and down the aisles looking for what we came for, you know, I was getting angry as I was replaying it in my mind and thinking of what I could have said or what I should have said. But all I did say was, yes, <laughs> you know, kept on my way. I should say this story starts way further back than the deli guy. Well, it starts with me marrying a white guy, <laughs> funnily enough. Nicole is black. Their son's skin color is somewhere in between hers and her husband's. But to be honest, he looks like me. You know, he's got a lot of my features. But still, Nicole got the deli man question a lot. The neighborhood we lived in, although it was really cute and quaint and special, there weren't that many people of color. Especially, I didn't see a lot of women or moms of color. The women of color pushing strollers were more than usually uh, nannies. And my parents are from the Caribbean, so I knew that there were a lot of Caribbean nannies, especially in New York, working for white families. And I understood, you know, for some of these women, that job was the thing that helped them provide for their families. But I think um, I didn't... I didn't ever think, I didn't put the connection between there's a black nanny with an obviously white child. And I didn't think to make the connection that someone would see me, a black woman, with a baby that I don't think is obviously white and have the nerve or want to know, is he yours? I mean, if you want to say that he's cute, say that. If you want to say, I like his hair or isn't he darling? How old is he? Those are questions and, 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 and statements that make sense to me. But is he yours? Why do you need to know that? When Nicole's son was almost a year and a half, her family moved to Montclair, New Jersey, the town where I live. Montclair is known as a melting pot. And, and it's true. You can meet pretty much any kind of person here. The community is very integrated. You know, every day I see groups of teenagers walking down the street with kids of all different ethnicities hanging out together. So when Nicole moved here, she figured she wouldn't be asked, is he yours, ever again. And we lived pretty close to the library, which was great. So I, you know, went there with my son and uh, walked up to the counter to ask for a library card. And there was a woman, a black woman behind this. She was probably in her late 40s, maybe early 50s. She had, you know, silver hair and, and she had dreadlocks. And at the time, so did I. And I was expecting her to kind of like say something like, oh, you live around here or, you know, did you just move here? Or maybe even, oh, I like your hair. Something where we would connect and, and have that little, you know, innocuous chit chat. But uh, my son was, you know, making his little noises about trucks or cars or dogs. And she said, oh, who's that making the noise down there? Let me see. So I wheel back the stroller so she can see my son. And she says, oh, what a darling. Is he yours? And my my mouth, I think my mouth sailed open because I was kind of like, did, did this black woman just ask me if my son was my son? I mean, it's clear that I'm his mom, right? And then on my walk home, I was like, you know, what should I have said? How could I have handled that? Should I have told her like, you know, that's rude. And then, but is it rude? Like, and And then I start to ask myself, why is this bothering you? What is the problem? with this question. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Why does it get your blood boiling so hot? I think, you know what? Um, I felt like it was this dismissal of everything that I did towards becoming a mom. You know, it felt like 
it just erased the nine, almost 10 months that you're pregnant. My birth story was kind of harsh. You know, I, I had uh, an emergency C-section. All of that stuff, just it, it just rose to the top where I felt like by asking me, is he yours? It's almost like none of that stuff mattered. You didn't, you didn't invest all of that, all your heart, all your soul, all of your, your hopes and your, your just immense love for this child just gets erased by this question. So, <laughs> I mean, just thinking about him brings tears, you know, cause he's just such a wonderful boy. Excuse me. So I think that, um, when I think about it now, there's nothing that anyone could do to take away the fact that I'm his mom. He's such a good, good kid. And I think that, um, what are you, what are you, what are you picturing right now? Like when you think about that, <laughs> I'm picturing his little face, his little face smiling or saying mommy. And I mean, he's so much fun and he's so, um, particular. He knows what he likes and he doesn't like. For example, his grandma has made a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for him. And I think that she's put too much jelly on there and he always rats her out. So he, <laughs> I'll come home and I'm like, oh, how was lunch? And he was like, sticky sandwich, sticky <laughs> and shaking his head like, no, sticky sandwich. Remember, he's two years old. Grandma made sticky sandwich. <laughs> so I'm like, grandma will never be able to hide that secret because he always rats her out. But here's an interesting thing that happened at the library again. Um, we just recently hired a babysitter, Nanny, for our son, and she happens to be 25-year-old, college grad, white lady. And she recently went to the library with our son, and there were a bunch of black nannies there. She said they have accents, so I'm guessing they're from the Caribbean. And it seems as though they congregate there often on this, this particular day at this particular time. And they were all talking about American Idol and all that. So she was kind of like, you know, just eavesdropping and playing with our, my son. And, and uh, at one point, one of the nannies sort of noticed her and said, wait a minute, you're a nanny? We don't see many white girl nannies around here. <laughs> so, And how does it make you feel to, uh, to know that your nanny is out there? <laughs> And having people wonder about her, like to have that kind of weird role reversal. It was funny because, you know, when we first brought her on, which was maybe just about a couple weeks ago, my husband said, do you think that people are going to assume that she's the mom and maybe that she's married to a black man? And it hadn't occurred to me. And I was like, for a minute, I said, yeah, maybe. And there was a little twinge, a little thing of something like, hmm, I don't, you know, Someone's going to assume that somebody else is my son's mom. You know, do I need to put some sort of like, she's the nanny. I'm the kid t-shirt on my son. But it was past. It was, just, it was fleeting. I definitely think I'm out of that particular part of the woods on this. Because you get the sticky sandwich stories. Yeah. Because <laughs> I get the sticky sandwich stories. You know, he's a, he's a little person now. So I can talk to him and he can talk to me and we have a connection. And there's, there is absolutely nothing that can alter that, change it, break it. It's, it's set. It's set in stone. The closer Nicole felt to her son, you know, the older he got, the less bothered she felt by the is he yours question. Still, she came up with the perfect comeback, something that wouldn't cause a scene, but would still let the person know that what they were asking was offensive. I'll maybe cock my head to the side with a smile and say, why do you ask? Yes, why do you ask? And see what happens from there. 
Yeah. <laughs> what do you, where do you think that'll lead? You know, I think if if someone's asking me with if there's a little maliciousness or nastiness attached to their question, I think it's going to shine the light back on them, make them a little uncomfortable. Like, oh, they might start studying like, oh, I asked, and it'll put them on the spot. If they're asking out of curiosity, it'll maybe let let me in on something like, you know, why do you ask? Oh, I'm asking because, and maybe it launches into a new conversation or something that I didn't know or something interesting. Maybe I, we strike up a a friendship. Maybe it's something where it's like, oh, this is a good story that I'm going to have to tell later. You know, who knows? But I think sort of leaving it on an open end like that is better than, you know, unloading on somebody. Okay. So that conversation was from three years ago. Since then, I've brought this idea of trigger questions to my Facebook group for moms. Um, Moms, if you're not a member, you should join. It's called Longest Shortest Time Mamas. Anyway, I asked the mamas what their trigger questions are and if they've found any good quippy comebacks. And it turns out a lot of them have actually also arrived at why do you ask? They love it. It it works. But um, believe it or not, in the three years since I recorded that interview with Nicole, she hasn't been asked, is he yours, even once. So she hasn't had any occasion to use why do you ask, at least not when it comes to her son. So I ordered this rug and it was an expensive rug purchase. <laughs> you know, Nicole tells me the question of her identity did come up again about a year ago after she and her husband bought a house for the first time and ordered a rug. Since we last spoke, Nicole moved away from my town to a suburban neighborhood in West Hartford, Connecticut. I gave her a call on Skype to talk about the rug incident. So when I went downstairs to get the doorbell, it was two men and they were... Um, Latino man, like probably South American. And uh, the, the man at the front of the door holding the rug, his face kind of dropped and he looked a little startled. And then uh, he said, you know, are you the owner? And I said, yeah. And I stepped aside so that they can come in. And he sort of, you know, a little bit hesitant. And he took a couple steps in with the rug. And he said, again, are, are you the owner? And by that time, I was like, oh, my goodness he is nannying me right now. I'm just getting nannied by this delivery guy. Well, how do you mean? Because, well, I'll tell you further. So, uh, so then he and his, his, uh, delivery partner came into the house and they went into the living room. And before he started to unfurl the rug, he said again, so you're, you're the owner. And I said, yes, I'm the owner. And I think with my sharper tone with that one, he realized that he needed to fill me in on why he was asking me this. And in some stilted English, he said, um, I ask if you're the owner, because a lot of times people leave the babysitter to collect deliveries like this. So when I say I got nannied by the delivery guy, I mean that he assumed that this was not my house in the same way that people assumed that this child who was a lighter complexion than I am is not my child. So he feels like I'm house sitting or I am the babysitter or the nanny who is just there to, you know, receive the package. And I, like him, am working in service to the true owner of the house. So it was clear that he couldn't connect the voice on the phone, the rug, the neighborhood, the house, and this black woman standing in front of him. Yeah. And and just so I can clearly understand this, does does it matter to him for his work 
whether you're the owner or not? Like, does he need to get a signature from the person who actually ordered it? This is exactly why I felt like getting mistaken for the nanny situation, because it did not matter who was receiving this delivery. It didn't matter if I was the owner or if I was a neighbor or if I were, you know, truly the babysitter. He just needed to, you know, <laughs> have someone there who was over 18 to receive this package. And that was it. So during that exchange, did you implement your plan to say, why do you ask? During that exchange, I did not because he gave me the answer to why do you ask when he told me why he was asking me. He gave you the answer because you snapped at him. He gave me the answer because I was, I was really terse because, (laughs) you know, by the third time of being asked, are you the owner? I was like, yes, I am. So I'm, I'm guessing he got the nonverbal cue that my, yeah, my question was, why are you asking me that? And he gave me the answer without me asking, why are you asking me that? Uh, yeah, you're right. I did not implement my, my, uh, my calm plan of asking, why do you ask? Did not work. You got your answer, but not. I got my answer, but I disturbed my zen. And maybe, I got it's, my so maybe, it's harder, maybe it's harder to do than you think because the, these questions can take you by surprise. I think the questions can take you by surprise. And I also think that if I'm being realistic, I think when you're asked specifically about your child, and it comes across as some some form of judgment, your back goes up automatically. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, maybe a little bit more challenging to stay calm and be like, you know, let's make this a teachable moment for both of us and all of that stuff. Although that's the thing to do or that you might aspire to, I think it's difficult to keep a calm head when someone's coming at you and in some way, quote unquote, sort of attacking you, you or your child or your parenting. It is hard to react with poise when someone asks you your trigger question. And some questions are so charged, maybe poised is not what's called for. But in some situations, it can help. In our Facebook group, one mom told me that her 19-year-old childless male coworker recently asked how her baby was sleeping. The mom said, why do you ask? The 19-year-old was a little taken aback and said, Isn't that what you're supposed to ask about babies? He said he was asking because he thought it was nice that this woman had a baby, but he didn't know what to say about it. He'd asked his mom for advice, you know, what to say, and she told him, ask about sleep. So this mom actually liked this answer and told the 19-year-old that when asking about sleep, he might want to preface his question by telling people that he wants to be a parent someday and, and he wants to know what it'll be like. That way, she told him, you'll get better answers. But secretly, she'd wished the guy had asked her something else entirely. It's not clear exactly what the question would be, but it would yield this answer. Yes, sometimes during nap time, I sneak over to my baby and draw eyebrows on his face to make him look like a supervillain. Nicole Blades has written a lot about being mistaken for the nanny. You can find links to her articles and her blog at our website, longestshortesttime.com. Our Facebook group for moms, again, is called Longest Shortest Time Mamas. Dads, there's one for you, too, called Longest Shortest Time Papas, so join up. In the moms group, look for our trigger question thread. You'll find a picture of the baby with the supervillain eyebrows. 
Last week, we did our Google Hangout with lactation consultant Nancy Holtzman. We covered lopsided boobs, engorgement, babies who won't stop nursing, even vaginal atrophy. If you missed it, the video is archived on our website in the post called Hangout, What's Up With Your Boobs? Our next Hangout will be on kids and eating with Dan Pashman of the Sporkful podcast. That's in July. The best way to find out about it? Sign up for our newsletter at longestshortesttime.com. This podcast is a production of WNYC and The Longest Shortest Time. The show is produced by myself and Joanna Solitaroff. Jim Briggs is our engineer. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. Special thanks to Chris Bannon and Peter Clowney. I'm Hillary Frank, back in two weeks at 3 a.m. And as always, if you have a story of a surprising struggle in early parenthood that you'd like me to consider for this podcast, go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find ten. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Now Prince donated this guitar. <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket, right. worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.